Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here with you. I'm so excited uh, to be a part of what God is doing, to, to be a part of this community, to be a part of the kingdom of God, what God is doing in and through us, God's church, that we can go into the world and make a difference, that we are invited to be a part of all that God is doing. Uh, that's the reason we're on this message series, this message series called I Am, which is taking a look at Jesus in his own words so that we can understand who it is we're saying we want to follow, who it is we want to be like, who it is we're going to be a part of, and, and, and who it is we're going to invite others to join us in being a part of. And that's why if you're new here, whether you're online or in person, we're just excited that you are with us. Thanks for taking some time today to be a part of what God is doing, to, to grow in relationship with God, to grow in relationship with us so that together we can be made more like Jesus. It's our hope uh, that you'll join us on this journey. We recognize that we're not perfect, but we know the one who is. And we want to invite you to be a part of all that God is doing so that we can be a part of, of what God's calling us to do so that we can together be the church. <laughs> I remember uh, back in 1992, I went to a concert. Uh, it was a concert. Uh, the, the, the bands were uh, Lenny Kravitz was pretty unknown at the time, uh, and, but it, the, man, the headliner was The Cult, and, and I, they, I was a fan of the band, and so me and some buddies in the Navy went from Norfolk, Virginia to, uh, uh, to watch this concert. And, and while we were there, we were on the floor. Like there was not, there, there was seating, but that was, that was where all the old people went. That's where I would go now. Uh, but everybody else was down on the floor and it was just this mass of people. And we could see the stage. The music was amazing. Lenny Kravitz had done a great job. I don't know if you know who that is, but anyway, uh, he's kind of bigger than the cult now. Uh, and, and now he's not all that big at all. But anyway, uh, he, he was the, the front. He started it off and, and the concert was going really good. And then the cult came out and uh, like, I loved the cult and I was, I was losing my mind. And I, I at this point in time, 22-year-old Steve weighed about 140, 145 pounds. Maybe soaking wet, I could get to 150 pounds, but unlikely. And, and my buddy Bill, we're standing there, and he just looks over, and he gets this crazy look in his eye, and I knew something crazy was about to happen. And he leans down, and he grabs me, and just kind of tosses me in the air. And, and, and so it's at this moment that I'm like, I'm about to really injure myself. What has Bill done? Other people start grabbing me. And, and I start crowd surfing. Like I had seen it on TV and I was like, man, this is amazing. Uh, like I'm, I'm being lifted and pushed and, and carried toward the stage and, and people just have their hands up and they're just pushing me a little bit. Now it helped that I wasn't a very big guy, uh, but I was moving toward the stage and, and I saw out of the corner of my eye, I saw the stage coming. And so, you know, I kind of sit down and then I stand up and boom, I'm standing on the stage. Music is going on behind me and the crowd is out in front of me. And I'm like, this is unbelievable. And I turn around to see the band. But instead of the band, I see the most giant human I've ever seen in my life in a staff shirt with his arms crossed over his, hand, his, his body. 
staring at me like, little man, you don't want to make a bad choice right now. <laughs> like he was giving me the evil eye and I look up at this guy and I had to look up because he was massive. I look up at the guy and, and he takes his one arm out. He doesn't say a word. Now it's loud. There's music going. He doesn't say a word. He just takes his hand and with a frown points. <laughs> and it was at that point, it was at that point that I realized I wasn't invited onto that stage. I was invited to leave that stage immediately. And if I didn't, I could only imagine the ramifications that that guy that was easily twice my size would have, would have, <laughs> would have done bad things. It would, it would have been awful. Uh, and so I boogied, right? Like I, I look at him and I look and I just, I was out. I didn't, there, no conversation needed. You don't want me here. I don't want to be here. I'm going. <laughs> Have a nice day. I didn't even see the band. I left so quickly. I, I was right there with all of them and exited without even being able to see them. And, and we've all, all met and understand people that are gatekeeping, people that are, are guardians to keep people out, or, or actually gatekeeper means the activity of controlling and usually limiting general access to something. The activity of controlling and usually limiting general access to something. We, we've, we've all been a part of this. We've all experienced somebody keeping us out. Maybe it was a, a party you didn't get invited to. Maybe, maybe you, were, uh, you were expecting an invitation, but one didn't come, from, from even from friends or family. Maybe it was a social circles that you used to travel in, and now you're on the outside, and no one will invite you back in. Or cliques or groups that, that you're not a part of at work or at home or at school, whatever it is, we've all experienced and know what it's like to have somebody keep us out, to push us away, to hold us at arm's length, to keep us from being what we had thought we were or hoped to be. Would it surprise you to know that Jesus knows what it's like to have somebody gatekeep him as well? Uh, to try and keep him from uh, being all that he could be, to try and question him and, and, and keep him out. Uh, he had an ongoing argument with a group of folks called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, uh, and, and the religious elite of the day. There was an ongoing argument about where Jesus got his authority. Who does he think he is to come and teach like one of us? Uh, they, they would challenge him. They would challenge him over and over again, trying to get him to slip up. They would test him with sayings and understandings, trying to get them to mess up. And, and even at the weirdest times, they would decide, hey, this is a great time that we should test him. Like when, when something that really was, was detrimental going on in somebody's life, and, and Jesus fixed it, and they wanted, to, they wanted to call him into question. One of the best examples of this is a scenario where Jesus is walking through Jerusalem with his disciples, and there is a man who has been born blind. And Jesus 
decides to take pity on him and, and uh, with, with saliva and dirt, he makes mud. And in one of the grossest scenes in the New Testament, uh, he takes this spittle and, um, and dirt and makes mud and, and smears it on the guy's eyes. <laughs> now he's got spit mud cakes on his eyes. And Jesus says, go to the pool and wash. And you got to imagine it's at this point that he's like, yes, I want to go to the pool and wash. Uh, and so he goes to the pool and when he washes... His sight is there. This guy was born blind, but now he can see. And everybody was freaked out. Now here's why, because it may have, you might have somebody that can do something spectacular, like heal somebody that's blind, but nobody had ever healed someone that was born blind. Jesus just did a miracle that was beyond comprehension. No, nobody understood it. And, and, and when I say that, like the miraculous was a part of their lives. They would see people get healed and, and that would be amazing to them. This was more than that. This was somebody who had been born blind, an unhealable scenario. And now he has his sight back. And so the, the religious elite bring him in and say, hey, were you really born blind? And they didn't believe him because he could see. This boggled their minds so much, they brought his parents in and were like, hey, is this really your son? We, we think there's some shenanigans going on. Let us know. Let us know right now. And they said, yeah, he's our son. We don't know how this happened. You should ask him. So they bring him back and, and he's getting tired of the shenanigans because he's like, yeah, Jesus did this. They bring him back, and, and he, gets a little, he gets a little short with them. He says, you've already asked me these things. Do you want to be his disciples too? And so they get upset with him because he has done that. He says, I was born, all I know is I was born blind, and now I see. And, and, and if you want to be his disciples, I can introduce you. And, and they, they, they level a charge against him that he had been steeped in sin even at birth. Because the common mindset was if you were born blind, it was something that your parents or you did in the womb before you were born that caused God's wrath to be poured out upon you. And so they say, get out. They're, they're gatekeeping experts. They're keeping people from a relationship. This is somebody who's had a miraculous healing that nobody has seen before. And what do they do? They call him a sinner and cast him out. He, he finds Jesus and Jesus comforts them. And, and with, with the religious elite in a place where they can hear, he says, don't worry. You were just born blind. They're the ones that are really blind. They don't get what just happened. They can't understand because they're not opening their eyes to see what God is doing. They're trying to keep people out. Jesus knew a thing or two about what it was to be kept out, to be told you're not enough, to be questioned and, and ridiculed. I, I want us to get that picture. Jesus, the word of God, questioned about his ability to be with the people that he calls his own. God having to prove that he belongs, that he is invited. Uh, this, this 
frustrates Jesus a little bit. Obviously, it would frustrate all of us. Uh, So Jesus responds with a parable. He responds with a, a story, not just a story, but kind of a word puzzle to get them to think. He's trying to teach them a lesson. And by them, I mean the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious elite. He's trying to get them to take a step toward God and away from gatekeeping and keeping others out. Jesus in John's gospel in the 10th chapter says this, very, very, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Now, when we think of a gate pen or a sheep pen uh, and a gate, typically we're going to think wood or barbed wire or something like that, uh, something that is going to keep the animals contained. Uh, What's interesting is in Israel specifically, there's not as much lumber as we have in America. And so they use what they have available. They use rock. This is an example. Now, this is a very well put together one, but they would just go and find rock, rock enough so that they could stack it high enough that the sheep wouldn't get out and and that predators wouldn't get in. And, And then there was a gate in the front of it. And Jesus is using this as an illustration saying, hey, if you come to the sheep pen and you are not the shepherd and you come over the wall, you're a thief or a robber. But if you come in through the gate, you're the shepherd. The shepherd is known by the sheep. And so Jesus' image of what's going on is a little different maybe than what we have in our mind. When Jesus is saying this, he's saying, hey, if you want to come into the, the, the end through the gate, either you are one of the sheep or you are the shepherd. Nobody else is coming in to that area. And, and so Jesus wants to make this clear what he's telling the, the religious elite because he's trying to get them to understand that they are not in a position that they can be gatekeeping anything. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, for the shepherd. And the sheep listen to his, the shepherd's voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out, all his own, he goes on ahead of them and and his sheep follow him because they know his voice, but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. Jesus is, is telling these religious elite, you think you're the gatekeepers, but you're strangers here. You think you're the gatekeepers, but you're acting more like thieves and robbers trying to steal sheep away from God's kingdom. But they won't listen to you. They won't follow you because they don't know your voice. Jesus is painting a picture for them that they are gatekeepers of nothing. They're not in the right. As a matter of fact, they're on the wrong side. But they weren't getting his point. They didn't understand the parable. 
And so he continues. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Jesus makes a bold claim. This is the whole idea behind the message series. Jesus says, I am the gate for the sheep. I am, I am the gate by which the, the sheep get in and go out. And out of context, this may seem strange, but if we look again at this pen, Jesus is saying, I am the way in. I am the way that people get into the right relationship. I am the way that the sheep, those that are called by me, those that know my voice, those that follow me, I am the way that they come in and go out. I am the way that they find life. He continues, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. <laughs> the sheep know his voice, and they're not going to be led astray by those just claiming authority, but by the one who has authority. Jesus wants to make crystal clear what he's saying. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. I am the gate, Jesus says. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Jesus isn't just the keeper of the gate. He is the gate. Jesus is the way in. And Jesus is the one who invites. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. <laughs> Jesus is making it really clear. It's a pretty bold statement. He's saying that he is the way in and to life. Not just an okay life, but a, a, a life filled to the brim with the presence of God. To get in, you have to go through Him. Not in a bad way, like you got to go through Him, but in a good way, like He's inviting you and welcoming you to come in. I, I went, when I was uh, still in information technology for a living, I, I went to Las Vegas for a Microsoft Summit. And we went uh, with a huge group of people. Uh, there were literally thousands of computer nerds that had invaded Las Vegas uh, for, for this summit. Uh, and we were uh, on a half day that day, so we went uh, and went down to this uh, local place. And while we were there, um, we were hanging out with the bartender and this other guy that was there, um, just hanging out and, and having a good time, talking, chatting. We didn't know them. They didn't know us. We're in from out of town. We're part of the computer nerdery, uh, all of those things. You know, they were laughing. We were hanging out. Good times. What we didn't know was that the guy at the end of the bar that we were talking to was also the bouncer of the place. And so as, as the, the time kept going, we had some friends that said, hey, we're going to come out there. And so, you know, we've got a group that's been showing up. And, and then suddenly you can't get in. There's too many people in. 
And, and so they can't have people coming in and out. And, and, and so we have other friends that had text, uh, sent us a text and said, hey, we want to come. And, and I'm like, sure, come on. This is where we are. And they show up and they're like, hey, we can't get in. And I was like, what do you mean can't get in? And that's when I noticed that it's really crowded now. And the guy that was at the end of the bar is standing outside and there is a long line, like 40, 50 people long. And at the end of that line is our friends. And so I, I walked over to the guy and, and I was like, hey man, any idea how long it's going to take to get through this line? We got some friends down at the end of the line. And he looks at me and he goes, how many? And I said, four. And he was like, tell them to come up here. And I was like, okay. It was good. We were hanging out. So I sent him a text. And I was like, hey, come on up here. And I'm sure they were like, okay, that's not what this looks like. And so they walk forward. They're coming up. And there I am standing beside the guy who can let them in. And he comes up and, and, and he says, is this your friends? I was like, yeah. And he opens the velvet, like the velvet rope moment. He opens the velvet rope and says, you guys can come in. And they, the four of them walk in, the line extends back, and they clip it back off. They clip it back off. But they were anticipated. They were expected. They were special because that guy called them out and said, you can come on in. And what's crazy is that's the same thing that Jesus is doing for us. He is the gate and the gatekeeper. Jesus is the one who is eager to let you in. Jesus wants you to be in. Actually, to be honest, Jesus is the worst gatekeeper of all time because he doesn't want to keep people out. He wants everyone to get in. He wants you to get in. He wants me to get in. He wants each and every person to get in. He may be the worst gatekeeper ever, but that makes him the greatest person the world has ever seen. And so the question is, how do we respond to that? How do we respond to this statement, I am the gate? First, we got to let Jesus let you in. Let Jesus let you in. He is inviting you. You are special to him. He wants to pull back that, that velvet rope so that you know that you have access. You are okay. Come on in. You don't have to do enough or be enough for him to do that. You just have to let him let you in. And then while you're in, learn from Jesus all you need. Jesus wants to have a deep and abiding relationship, one that will give you life and you can learn what it is to live in relationship in the safety of that community of faith, also known as the church, God's kingdom building activity here on earth. Learn from Jesus as we go and grow and then leverage all the gifts Jesus gives you to build God's kingdom when we come together as a community, our gifts seem to become more and more evident that we are called to different things. We have different abilities and capabilities, and we can use those for the building of God's kingdom. Friends, the reality is you can let Jesus in this moment make an eternal difference 
in your life. You can let him change you forever from the inside out. You can become bad at gatekeeping and good at inviting, just like Jesus is. You can invite those you love, people you care about and share life with, that you can share your love of Jesus with them, what Jesus has done in your life. You can invite those that you like, just people that are, are acquaintances of yours. You like them, but you're not in a deep relationship. Heck, invite those who annoy you. They could use some transformation from the Holy Spirit. So let's invite them into relationship with you and with God. And, and then ultimately invite those you hate. Because of everybody, honestly, that needs transformation, they might need it the most. And you might be the one who could speak a word of life and invite them in to a relationship. Friends, we are the in crowd. <laughs> we've been invited. We've been expected. We've been anticipated so that we can invite, so that others may come to know, so that others may come to life. Let's pray. Gracious and almighty God, we give you thanks for the gift you give us in Jesus, for the hope we have in you and the promise of your life for us. Father, thank you that you have given us the gift of Jesus and, and we have a way, a way into relationship and that Jesus invites us and not only invites us but anticipates us and welcomes us with open arms into into where we may feel we don't deserve to be. But you welcome us regardless. Thank you for all you do. Help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to receive this invitation. Help us to learn from you and help us to live for you so that we might make a difference in this world for the world to come. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and all of us agreed and said, Amen.